Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. In Hebrews chapter 7, this is basically what it's about. Jesus is a better sacrifice. And Jesus is a better high priest. Remember, the whole book of Hebrews is centered around that word, better. It's an encouragement to the people thinking of going back. Don't do that. Everything about Christianity is better. Jesus is better than the prophets and the angels and Moses and Joshua. Here, the writer says Jesus is better, better sacrifice, and he's a better high priest. In advertising, you'll often see phrases like new and improved, better or improved formula. Sometimes you can actually tell the difference between the old and the new. Sometimes you can't. The Jewish believers in the book of Hebrews were being persecuted from two sides. From the Jews because they'd left Judaism and from the Romans because they were Christians. Pastor Mark will be teaching today how the writer of Hebrews is showing his listeners ways that Christianity is better than the religion they'd left. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 as he begins his message, The Need for a New Priesthood. Hebrews chapter 7. Because we live in the New Testament, very often when we study a book like Hebrews, which is New Testament but is rooted very much in the Old Testament, it is difficult for us to understand what was really taking place. And there's a word that we don't think about too often in a spiritual sense. Now, we think about this in a sense of, can I get into my car? Can I get into the office? The doors are locked, access. But very often as New Testament believers, we don't think about the word access. But the word access was huge in the Jewish religion. Access to God assumed that a person had a right relationship with God. You couldn't approach God unless there was a right relationship. Well, of course, that's the same really today, but we don't look at it the same way the Jewish people did. Let's just remind yourself a little bit of the Jewish history, because as you know, this book of Hebrews is written to a small group in Italy. Probably Paul, the writer, writing to them, They're undergoing or about to undergo persecution like they've never seen. They've moved from Judaism. They're still Jews, but they've become Christians, Christ followers. And they're confused on some things. Because of the persecution coming, 
or that they're going through at the moment, they're thinking of wavering and going back under the old covenant. Well, to the Jew, the priesthood was incredibly important and essential. The priests were the men who connected sinful man, which all of them were, to a holy God. If you want to write it down and remember one sentence, it's simply this. In the Old Testament, the priest was a bridge builder to God. Since man couldn't go directly to God, God established the priesthood. And that was a mediator. The priest was designed to be that bridge builder, that that mediator that would take man to God. Really, in the Old Testament, priests alone had access to God, and specifically, the high priest. So, priests, in general, were the ones who would offer sacrifices for the sins of the people, because God established a principle. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So, God established the priesthood to do that. So, we see the huge importance a priest would play in the life of everyone. Man was sinful, fellowship with God was broken, Only the priests could offer the sacrifices. Only the priests could do that and then repair the fellowship. Well, how often did man need the priest? Well, we already talked about our lives are kind of like that. We don't do everything right, sins of commission, sins of omission. Really, since man was sinful every day, if you wanted a job with security in the Old Testament, it was the priest. You had job security. didn't matter what the economy was. didn't matter if gas was $4 a gallon for the camel or whatever. It didn't matter. You had job security because man was sinful. Not only was man sinful, but every priest himself was sinful. And before the high priest could offer sacrifices for the people, we know from the Old Testament, he had to offer sacrifices for his own sin. Now the problem was, Since a priest was human, that priest eventually died. And you would need another priest. Well, how do you get another priest? Where do they come from? How long could they serve as priests? Well, in the background of all of that comes a couple questions. Could there ever be a perfect sacrifice? See, up to this time... These people are struggling with that. They know Jesus. They're trying to put that in context. But for the average Jewish person, there wasn't ever a perfect sacrifice because they didn't believe in Jesus. If you go to Israel today and you talk to an Israeli person who is actually practicing Judaism and you ask them, what do you do for sacrifices? They don't know what to say because there is no temple. They can't do sacrifices. Of course, that's why it's so important for the religious Jews to get a temple built, which the Antichrist is going to allow. So, could there ever be a perfect sacrifice? In other words, once and for all? That was like, for the average person, a wish that's almost impossible. And could there ever be a perfect priest? Someone who was sinless, but not only sinless, someone that would be eternal. You'd never have to replace that priest. Well, the book of Hebrews, specifically chapter 7, you can just write this down. If you fall asleep the rest of the hour, you got it. Here it is. That's not permission to fall asleep, because I'll see you, but 
I'm not the perfect priest, so here's what it is. In Hebrews chapter 7, this is basically what it's about. Jesus is a better sacrifice, and Jesus is a better high priest. Remember, the whole book of Hebrews is centered around that word, better. It's an encouragement to the people thinking of going back. Don't do that. Everything about Christianity is better. Jesus is better than the prophets and the angels and Moses and Joshua. Here, the writer says Jesus is better, better sacrifice, and he's a better high priest. Now, to get their arms and hands around that, for you and I, we already know that. What's the big deal? Well, for them, they're trying to get their hands and arms around that fact because when they think of the priesthood, they think of Aaron. They think of the Levites. And they had a big problem. Jesus himself, Jesus didn't wear Levi jeans. If you've been a priest, you had to wear Levi jeans. You had to be in the tribe of Levi. He didn't wear Levi jeans. He wore Judah jeans. Came from the tribe of Judah. You never heard that. That's a new brand. We're coming out with it. So that was impossible for them because everybody, you'll see as we go through, had to come through that tribe of Levi, and then specifically, not just the tribe, specifically through Aaron. We see that in Exodus 28. Have Aaron and your brother brought to you from among the Israelites, among his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, so that they may serve me as priests. So when God set up the priesthood, he set it from a, through a tribe, and then he sent it through a person, obviously, Aaron. Now, you're right there in Hebrews. Just scoot back just to the end of chapter 6, verse 20. And then we're going to go right to Genesis 14, quickly. Notice, where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. And then it makes a statement. He has become a high priest forever, Jesus, in the order of Melchizedek. Well, for many of us, we'd have the same questions these Jews would. What is the order of Melchizedek? Who is Melchizedek? When did Melchizedek live? We've never heard about Melchizedek. Is he, did he live before Aaron? Was he part of, was he one of the sons? They know not the about him. So, All we know, really in the Bible, amazingly, about Melchizedek is a couple verses in the Old Testament and here in the book of Hebrews. Thousands of years separated. That's all that's known. So even if you walked in and don't know anything about the Old Testament or the New Testament, you've never heard of Melchizedek before, that's the kind of thing that, you see, you have to put yourself where the speaker's writing to. He's writing to these people that go, okay, Melchizedek. Good. Who's Melchizedek? You know, they can't get on their computer and Google Melchizedek. So he's going to explain to them and to all of us who this interesting man was and what's he all about. Now, scoot over to 7.1. You're right there, and then we'll go right over to Genesis. 7.1 Hebrews. This Melchizedek was king of Salem, opening statements, and priest of the God Most High. And he met Abraham, aha, at least there's somebody they know, returning from the defeat of the kings, and he blessed him. 
Now keep your finger there and let's go back to Genesis chapter 14. Remind yourself quickly of a little story. As you remember, Abraham and Lot were together and God gave Abraham a gracious heart and he said to Lot, what land do you want? Land Lot said, I'll take this one. And Abraham said, okay, I'll take this one. And away they went. And of course, as you know, Lot was always getting himself into trouble. And here we find some battles in the Old Testament, just the same as they would be today. Interesting, that part of the world has always seemed to be filled with them. Genesis 14, scoot on down to verse 11. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah. These were little states that were our green. They weren't really countries. And all their food. Then they went away. And they also carried off Abram's nephew Lot in his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So this coalition of kings from the east made this raid on Sodom and some other cities down in that plain area. And they captured all these prisoners and plundered all their stuff, including Lot. Verse 13. One who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eschol and Abner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative Lot had been captured, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household. So you can see how God had blessed Abraham. I mean, he's got his own trained forces, 318 of them. And he went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, for those of you who have never been to Israel, that doesn't mean anything. But we were at Dan. In fact, Bo just taught. I don't know if Bo's here tonight somewhere. There he is. Bo just taught in Dan. We were there. It's a real place. Those of you that were Israel with us, this is it. It comes alive to you, man. All these figures go through your mind in places. So Abraham, well, what happens is he's angered. How dare they take a loved one of mine? Even though Lot was selfish, made the wrong choices, whatever. Abraham overlooked that, formed an alliance, came against the enemy, and fled to the north. Look at verse 15. During the night, Abraham divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus, so you kind of know where they're going to. And he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. So Abraham overtook, defeated the enemy, brought him back, and it's all done. Verse 17, after Abraham returning from a defeating Ketolamar, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread, and wine, interesting, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God, Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, Most High, who delivered your enemies into your end. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. This is the main point of the story. Abram's encounter with this individual called Melchizedek. Now, interesting, Melchizedek, from what we can understand, wasn't Jewish. He was Gentile, but he was a worshiper of God. Well, how can that be? Well, remember, and I don't have time tonight, but we question very often, well, what about people who have never heard? Well, God is able to talk to people's hearts. If you want to study that, just sometimes study Romans chapter 1, where Romans 1 says that God makes himself known to people. 
through conscience, through creation, through the word, lots of different ways God does. So here is this ruler. He's a priest and a king. Interesting. And so he's a political and a spiritual leader of his people. Now the ACLU, if they were active at this time, you'd have a little thing right in here where they're going to pick it, take it to a court. Because you can't be political and spiritual at the same time. You know, there must be separation of church and state. That was just a little... Uh, that was free, just in case you wanted. Verse 21. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Now, this isn't the part of the teaching that has anything to do with it, but this is a huge principle in our life. Abram refused to receive or take any reward from the kingdom of Solomon. Why? Because he said, I know where my source is. Your source, my source, is not a company. It's not Harris. It's not a hospital. It's not your 401k. It's not my bank account. It's not this church if you work for this church. My source as a follower of Christ is God. Now, we're seeing very difficult times. And if any of the indicators are true, it's going to be more difficult. There's prediction now. We don't know what will happen. Gas will go to $4. If it goes to $4, that just begins a domino effect in every area of our life. But guys, don't be fearful you want to be wise, but don't panic. Your source is not a dollar gas. How many can remember back when gas was 25 cents a gallon? Can anybody remember? Look around you. Those are the old people. Just look at them. <laughs> that's right. 25. I remember it. Easy. Of course, that's when we made $2.50 an hour too, right? I think this is a huge thing about us. No one will ever be able to say to this person, you made me rich. Guys, the one that makes us rich is God. And Paul would say this, whether I have plenty or I have nothing, I'm at peace with God. So be careful. You've heard me say it if you come to this church, stuff doesn't satisfy. God satisfies. Well, back to our passage, go back to Hebrews chapter 7 where we are. This brings up a great point, reminds us that if we're going to study the Bible, we have to know the Old and the New Testament, and you guys are doing really well. This Melchizedek, 7-1, was king of Salem, we just saw that, and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. That Paul explaining, and also king of Salem, means king of peace. Now, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So, first of all, a king and a priest, 
is a little unusual. So God is going to talk about bringing into history a priest that's going to be in the order of, here's Melchizedek, a priest that's going to be in this line. Not a priest in the line of Aaron and the Levites, but a priest in this line. So if you see that, that means God's going to make a huge change because these people only know Aaron and the Levites and the priests in that line. So God goes back before that and he says, no, 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 we're going to take this line here of Melchizedek and there's going to be a priest coming here. So already when you begin to look at that, there's something different going to take place. Now, where that promise comes, the second time we see Melchizedek in the Bible about a thousand years later or so, is in Psalm 110, verse 4. Notice what God says about this. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, speaking prophetically of Jesus, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we have this understanding that God is going to establish another priest. He'd be a king and a priest. He'd be a priest that would last forever. He would be a priest that God would appoint directly. He wouldn't have this genealogy. And so Paul is is setting the stage for these people because they have no idea who Melchizedek is. Some maybe like you. So notice the qualities he's going to have. And he gives the name and what it means. A king of righteousness and a king of peace. I want you to think about that. A king of righteousness, being right with God, and a king of peace. Well, first key you want to write is this. Righteousness always comes before peace. See, you can't have peace until you're right with God. So the only way I can have peace is that I'm first right with God. Well, was Jesus this priest that would be right with God and be a king of peace? Absolutely. First John 2, 1. My children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then in Ephesians 2, 14, for he himself is our peace. He himself, not a religion, but a person who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So because Jesus, our Savior, met all the righteous demands of God, and he did that by going to the cross, taking our sins, we can have peace with God. But I can have peace with God, even though Jesus has met those demands, unless I take him as my personal Savior. Nobody likes change, especially when you get grief over making that change. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about the persecution the Jewish believers in the book of Hebrews were getting. They were being tempted to go back to the relative safety of Judaism. The writer of Hebrews is showing them why going back would close off their access to God. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. In his next teaching, Pastor Mark will continue the need for a new priesthood. You'll learn more about the mysterious priest-king Melchizedek. You'll hear about his encounter with Abraham and the significance it had for the Jewish people. Pastor Mark will talk more about the Levitical priesthood and why the priesthood of Melchizedek and of Jesus is superior. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.